0: Welcome to the Told Me podcast series to learn and develop for medical educators from the Frank H. Netter, M.D. School of Medicine. This podcast is for busy medical school faculty who want to expand their knowledge in teaching. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Coplett, and I will bring you interviews with experts in medical education, fellow faculty, and medical students to discuss the issues most relevant to today's medical educators. Thanks for joining us for the third and final part of our three-part series on giving feedback. Why do three episodes on giving feedback? Because it's tough to do, and it's even tougher to do well. And today, you'll be getting a unique perspective. This podcast was recorded in the spring of 2020, and the two co-hosts have since graduated. Doctors Josh Bia and Nick Kalitri were fourth-year medical students at Netter at the time this was recorded, and they were taking a four-week teaching elective that I run each year. For their elective project, they decided to create this podcast to provide faculty with students' viewpoints about feedback and what makes it helpful. It's a great perspective, and I hope you find it as useful as I did.
1: Hey everyone, thank you for stopping by today. My name is Josh Bia and I'm a fourth year medical student at the Frank H. Netter MD School of Medicine. Going to be matching in a couple months, hopefully, into emergency medicine. And I am here with Nick.
2: Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm Nick Kalitri. I'm also a fourth year medical student at Netter, hopefully, matching into anesthesia in a couple months. So, what Josh and I are doing is we're on a fourth year elective in a teaching elective focused on medical education and today we wanted to touch on feedback, a very important issue, and we mostly wanted to focus on barriers to that feedback, what facilitators should and should not be doing, and then also some student perspectives.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So let's jump right into it. Nick, let me ask you this. So you came in to the clinical years of medical school, years three and four. Um, Looking back on it now, has your experience with feedback met your expectations of what you thought it would be in terms of quantity and quality?
2: Sure. Yeah, I think coming into third year, most students have a little, you know, trepidation going into the clinical years. You've practiced some oral presentations during, during your second year. You've had a little bit of experience with some, some standardized patients and, you know, one day a week in, in what we call our mesh or our, our outpatient family medicine practice. Um, but you really don't know what to expect from from residents and from attending physicians on the wards. And, you know, I started my third year on internal medicine, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's one of those that particularly involves a little bit more trepidation. People don't want to start off on such a difficult rotation. And I didn't, I had some expectation on feedback. You know, I wanted more one-on-one every day, every patient feedback, whether it was from a resident or an attending. and you know, I found myself that I did not get that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, what I ended up getting was a, a midpoint clerkship evaluation uh, and feed, feedback at that point, and just an end of the end of the six-week rotation feedback. So, you know, just starting off the bat, it didn't really meet my expectations. But
1: well, let me ask you this, because often um, what is said by faculty in response to this um, is that students are often unaware that feedback is happening all the time, and it may be that it's just happening in a context that they're not expecting, perhaps they're not listening. Looking back, do you think there's there's some truth in that?
2: Yeah, I think there are, or I think there is some truth. Um, certain times that I could see that th- there's feedback being given is just on your rounds every day. Um, even when there's feedback being given to someone that's not yourself, I think it's, it's being two-time there where Feedbacks being given to a resident as well as a medical student. Um, Even when the attending is doing a physical exam and they're not speaking directly to you, they're giving you feedback at that time as well. Um, But I think sometimes students need more of that formal one-on-one direct feedback that to really push their career forward.
1: Right, right. So if I hear what you're saying, sometimes really important to have the student be aware that feedback is happening, even though maybe to a preceptor attending, it may be kind of obvious that, okay, I'm clearly giving the student feedback right now, but perhaps, you know, from a student perspective, we're saying it's not always so obvious to us. You know, m- really put it in, in you know, skywriting almost.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember these students that, particularly when they're starting their third year, they're brand new to the situation. Right. They don't know what good feedback is. They don't know what bad feedback is. so. I think especially at that point in time, it's important to make them particularly aware that you're getting this feedback.
1: Right, right. I agree. I agree. Coming into uh, third year, my first hospital rotation um, was internal medicine as well, which was a big learning curve. Um, And... You know, I did have the mid-clerkship evaluation and the end, and I did feel that I got feedback all along the way, but it is kind of, it's different than what you expect it to be. You know, you are entering a very chaotic environment where a lot of people are, you know, spinning a lot of plates and performing a lot of roles, and you kind of, you know, have to be aware and grab that feedback when you can.
2: Yeah, and, and what you're saying there is where you got that midpoint evaluation brings up a question that I had is... Was that feedback expected or unexpected? How did that go for you?
1: Good question. Um, so, you know, for our school, as you know, we do have kind of built into the curriculum that mid-feedback um, evaluation built in, so it, it was expected, but that's a, that's a good transition into kind of um, that breakdown of the different kinds of feedbacks that you can get. So you have expected. And unexpected, you know, you could have expected good feedback, which is great. You know, you feel good about that. Expected bad feedback, which isn't you know ideal, but at least you kind of have some mental preparation for that. You can have unexpected good feedback, which is wonderful. You're cooler and more awesome kind. than you thought you were, right? The best kind. And then the most uh, troublesome for medical students always appears to be the unexpected bad feedback. Do you have any experience with that?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think my my mid shirt clerkship eval for internal medicine that first time around was, you know, I expected to have the mid clerkship, but I expected it to be, you know, pretty top notch. I thought I was doing a great job. Um, and for the most part, he said I was, but there was some unexpected kind of later in that day, even after our mid clerkship eval, he kind of came back to me and, and brought up a point of, you know, your oral presentations have really been, been lacking a little bit. Let me give you some specifics of what you can do here um, to improve on that. And you know, I thought I was doing such a great job. And he even told me a little earlier that I was. So it was unexpected for him to come back later and kind of add to that. But he came back with some really specific things for me to do, which was really helpful. And what it made me want to do later is kind of go back to him at the end of the rotation, that attending in particular, and ask him, did I improve? Did I not improve on that particular um, portion of the oral presentation that you wanted me to improve on?
1: Right. And you bring up a lot of good points of how feedback ideally should be structured just in that one example, in that he gave you specific comments that were actionable Mm -hmm. and you were able to do that. And then you, as part of your responsibility as a learner, it sounds like you went out of your way to make sure you went back to that preceptor and showed him a behavioral, you know, kind of performance change, which I think is so important
2: exactly did did you ever experience any unexpected bad feedback
1: sure so for for going back again to our internal medicine rotations absolutely when I was first doing my patient presentation I was very sloppy in my assessment and plan looking back on it uh, not really presenting it um, you know with a problem list it just kind of going very loose and just kind of talking just kind of talking classic third-year medical student and abruptly I was um, you know cut off and it was explained to me. You really want to do it in this kind of problem-based format, and um, it, it seemed like the way it was presented, it was it should be such an obvious thing. And I, you know, I still remember how I felt at that moment. I felt very kind of embarrassed for not knowing it seems that. Like
2: it kind of showed showed you up a little bit. Showed in w- the moment.
1: In the moment, and it's it's you know, w- did that preceptor actually do that, or was that just kind of my own internalizing right. and maybe a little bit of shame for not being where perhaps I should have been at that time. Um, and, and, you know, there's a couple moments in medical school where I've had that unexpected, bad, but, you know, constructive feedback. And, um, I'm a person that, you know, I think a lot of us in medical school, we, we've tried really hard to get to the point where we are. We have to be fairly used to performing and succeeding to even be at the place where we are. So we're the kinds of people in general, I would say that, um, don't always take negative feedback um, the best. And it's kind of part of the learning process to separate, you know, the feedback from being about us as a person versus, um, you know, feedback being from the actual action or our performance. There's a good uh, 2015 article by William Bynum which kind of talks about the roles of guilt versus shame. Guilt being the student feeling that the feedback is a critique of them as a person. Or sorry, shame being a um, critique of them as a person versus guilt, which is more a critique of the action. So shame of not a very uh, constructive type of emotion, but, you know, unfortunately, very common among medical mm-hmm. students, whereas guilt, you know, you're you
2: want to do something about it. you feel more motivated. So right. do so, you have so two types of feedback that can be given? And we're talking more along the student's reaction to the feedback. Exactly. Yeah. So there's there's guilt. Where it's really a growing experience. The the preceptor attending is trying to challenge you to learn more on your own or be better at a certain skill, and it's more constructive feedback. Right. Whereas when the student reacts in a shameful manner, they feel as though that attending or preceptor is really critiquing their own actual self, and and they can kind of tunnel down into a, a bad hole of. If they collect feedback in a shameful way,
1: right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the, one of the big challenges there in you know what undergraduate medical education, referring to medical school, I um, uh, had a, a great conversation with our own dean of education about this. Is when you're in residency, you're in residency, and for the most part, you know you're you're learning for the sake of your career, for the sake of your training, and it's not the same structure as medical school where you're getting these grades every, you know, right. six, eight weeks that really determines lot the pressure. There's a lot of pressure. So h- how can you separate the feedback from your performance from this evaluation that very much determines this thing that you've put so much time? Yeah, your careers on the line. Careers on the line. That's what it feels like sometimes. So any advice for medical students who perhaps struggle with, you know, this really kind of stressful, anxiety-inducing process.
2: Yeah, I think a couple things go into that. It, it, one, it's your reaction to feedback, is is what we just talked a, a little bit about. And when I think about reacting to feedback, I think about being um, a coachable individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go back to just my, you know, high school background in playing sports, and you have to, there's two things involved. One, it's you have to appear to be coachable, you know. You want to listen to feedback, and then react to that feedback in a, in a positive way. And I kind of did that with what I've already spoken about is go back to that person that gave you feedback and say, hey, I really worked on improving on this. How did that How did that work out? And they see you as a pretty coachable person, one that can take this feedback and, and work it into something else. Um, and on the flip side, it's you want somebody that's a preceptor attending of yours Um you don't want them to ignore you. You want them to give you that feedback. You want them to be that co- that coach for you. Um, and you want them to make, make you better, really.
1: I love that point. I think that's so true, both for the preceptor and for the student. The sooner you can get kind of back in the ring and show that person that you've listened, you've internalized it, you've kind of compared it with your own self-reflection of your performance, and you show change in how you, you know, perform in your process that's going to do two things that's going to show the preceptor that you listen that you are a coachable yeah. student and you know there's a mutual respect there um, and that you're not shying away from the situation which is certainly a reaction that a lot of students have when they get negative feedback is mm-hmm. to start avoiding that person but you're doing the opposite I think that's great and the second thing that'll do I think as a student is relieve a lot of that anxiety that you're feeling about your performance exactly. you know it's, it's going to be twofold um <clears throat> I think that's a, that's a great solution.
2: Yeah, I think with a, a mutual understanding of that preceptor attending, wanting you to be better, as well as yourself taking that feedback and, and trying to be better, um, kind of goes into this trust-building activity of feedback.
1: Right, and it really is a trust-building exercise. Exactly. Which brings me kind of to an interesting point about our school specifically. So we will be the fourth matching class for Netter. It's been a wonderful experience so far, a great school. And like many newer medical schools, um, we have rotations in our third and fourth year, perhaps more so than some schools that have been around for a while, where we're rotating with places that don't have residency programs. So there is a relationship where day in, day out, one on one, you may be working with the same person for about four or five, six weeks even. Um, How do you how do you feel about that?
2: yeah um, I think one of my rotations really speaks strongly to that in um my family medicine rotation. Mm-hmm. First off, I had this individual as my preceptor for my first two years in mesh. so one day a week, one afternoon a week, I went and worked with him for five hours, saw patients, built my skills, and then I also spent my six week family rotation with him. Uh, no residents involved, just me and him one on one and I think it really allowed. Us to have a personal relationship, where we did have this trust-building activity in feedback. Where at the beginning, you know, maybe he was a little um, lighter on me with the feedback. S- saw my reaction, saw I could take it, so I wanted to be coachable. In that he would say, "Hey Nick, work on this physical exam skill in this particular way. This is how I like to do it," and he saw that the next patient I'd come back and. I would do it his way, and it actually worked better for me because I learned from somebody that has been doing this for so many years. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back from my six you know my six week rotation in family medicine, he was able to be a little harder on me, work on more nuanced things, um, coach me a little bit more uh, to to be much better. And so I think that trust building activity from being um, you know small things to start, giving feedback on small things to start to more nuanced things, really helped aid our personal relationship.
1: Good, yeah. I, I had a similar experience, especially with family medicine and uh, primary care rotations where I was working one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Had some wonderful preceptors and uh, you know, when you are there every day, you really get to know that person and it does become a lot about trust and mm-hmm. um, working together. And uh, I would say that, that it can be kind of a really beneficial experience because instead of the potential to get lost in a larger program um, you know, and just, you know, maybe not interacting with attendings one-on-one. It can be really a unique and great opportunity to get to know this very experienced physician's style and learn from it and grow from it.
2: Yeah. Did you have any anything besides family medicine where you didn't have any residents? So,
1: um for psychiatry. Mm. I did not work with the residency program and I really enjoyed that a lot of child and adolescent psych. I recently finished an endocrinology rotation and nephrology rotation and all these. I'm working one-on-one with attendings and it's great because you get a lot of nuances um, about, uh, you know, the practice itself as well as very tailored feedback with somebody who does know you very well. Um, And I think that brings us to a good point kind of As students, I think we also have to be aware of some of the barriers that faculty are facing to giving good feedback. Um, I know a lot of faculty will often point to time, but I think the issue goes a lot deeper than that. So, kind of, what do you think some barriers might be that faculty have to giving us feedback? Yeah.
2: I think one of the big ones, um, and it goes back to the pressure that we have for grade and for evaluations, are... Faculty don't want to give, you know, negative feedback or coachable feedback because they get evaluated in the end too. Right. Um, all of us students evaluate each of the preceptors that we work with for each of the rotations and you know, I don't know exactly how those evaluations take effect on, on you know, their careers but I'm sure they have some effect and they don't want negative evaluations either. So I think sometimes they see coachable moments where they actually take a step back and, and maybe say, Hey, I'm not going to give feedback to this person because again, maybe the student's not going to react well to this feedback and maybe my evaluation is going to go way down because of it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely possible and definitely plays a factor. I think as well, it's just, it's just uncomfortable sometimes. And yeah. there's so many reasons to not give feedback. It's easier, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have, you're not rocking the boat per se. Um, you know, you're not, uh, maybe causing any distress on the student and no one's going to really come down on you too much if you don't. So I think it's just easier to not do it, but so important to do it if you can make the time, and also I, I completely understand that a lot of these uh, faculty and preceptors, they may not know the student that well, often, you know, yeah. you're put in a situation where you've only seen the student a couple times and it can be really hard to formulate constructive and insightful feedback just based on a couple of observations over a couple of weeks. So um, totally understand that.
2: Right. And, and those rotations where you, you know, say you're rounding on patients with a team of five or six it's difficult for those attendings to give feedback to each individual um, not only because of that time constraint but because of how many people there are to give feedback to. So I think one thing that we have learned about is, uh, you know, choosing just even one small thing for each person in your team to give feedback to, make them aware you're giving them feedback, um, really builds their confidence even and goes back to that trust. Right.
1: Completely agree with that. And then in terms of the responsibility of the learner, the student, to get feedback, um, how mm-hmm. how do you feel that should take place? How much responsibility should be on the student to kind of create that feedback environment?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's a huge responsibility on the student, and I've always found it, you know, very easy on the the first day of the rotation, or even a lot of rotations you're working with five, six different attendings. So maybe it's the first time you meet them, saying, "Hey, um, you know, I want feedback throughout this process. Can we?" sit down at the end of the day if you have a time constraint during rounds to talk about my oral presentation or talk about my physical exam skills or you know in anesthesia intubating is a rapid, <clears throat> a rapid process and maybe I can't get feedback while I'm intubating but you know five minutes later can we talk about a better way to do that and I think it's, it's really imperative for the student to ask for that feedback early on in the relationship.
1: I agree. I think that that is a huge responsibility on the student and important and a good skill to learn how to create that environment, make the attending aware that you're going to be seeking feedback. And when you go to get that feedback, offer a little bit of an introduction about kind of your own evaluation. You know, give Mm -hmm. them a starting point so they're not just coming in cold. Because imagine... You know we've been doing teaching for about you know four weeks now as part of this elective and when a student comes up cold and asks for feedback or a question it's difficult to come up on the spot it's a lot of responsibility um and i think it can be harder to give that feedback than students realize at first yeah i will also uh note that it's important to kind of separate the feedback from your evaluation if you can i i cringe a little bit when i look back on this now but in my pediatrics rotation i remember going up to my preceptor and being Along the lines of, hey, you know, I want honors. What do I have to do to mm-hmm. get this? Yeah. And he was like, "Relax, like, right. don't bully me." And I'm like, it, looking back, he's so right. You It'll know? come. It'll come. It's yeah. it's more and it's more nuanced than that. It's not just a checkbox. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors. But um, I think that's a great point. Day one, get in there, and you know, that's going to create a positive feedback relationship.
2: Mm-hmm. And I know another thing that we we spoke about before coming in, and it kind of goes back to those barriers are, you know, who should be taught about feedback and who should be taught how to give feedback and how to get feedback what do you think about that
1: I think it's important for both learners and faculty to continue to grow. I mean, Mm -hmm. as I've dug a little bit deeper into this literature, you know, it's something that's heavily, um, you know, researched and it's a really an evolving process. And there's a couple of different, you know, pathways that you can go down. But at the end of the day, I think it's something that we all need to strive for to continue to improve because it's not necessarily a metric that Um, is easy to assess or something that's, you know, can be regulated very easily. So it really takes a little bit of personal responsibility on everyone's part to keep this kind of feedback growing um, and keep that environment evolving in medical education. Um, You know, there's seminars for faculty and then, you know, I think increasing in medical education, there's uh, you know, workshops for students. I think that's super important, but that's just a starting point. It really, yeah. it, it becomes down on an individual basis to um, care for that and foster that in your own life.
2: Right, and, and just like medicine, I think it, a lot has to do with learning as you go, too. Each attending, each preceptor you work with, you understand more about getting feedback, reacting to feedback, being a coachable person, and I think each preceptor and attending should look at it the same way with each student, each resident that they work with.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And I think uh, one of the final thoughts for students, um, something we've been talking about, which I wasn't aware of before, is this concept of a, a growth mindset mm-hmm. um, and really not being afraid to, to fail. In fact, you know, failing more often than not can is, is great. You know, you're you're not afraid to take chances and that that's how you learn. Um, so just kind of what we've been talking about today in terms of just facing it head on, being proactive, seeking for the feedback, understanding uh, the difficulties that the faculty and attendings may have with even giving you feedback in the first place. Um, and the more we can understand, I think, each other's perspective, um, the better off we're going to be.
2: Right. And I think it's it's strong. We, we you know, recently watched that TED Talk. Um, I forgot exactly who it was, but he was a, a renowned surgeon whose, his complications kind of hit a plateau. And he himself sought out a coach, um, a preceptor. Who would come in and watch his surgeries, give him notes on his surgeries, and he kind of took that feedback to heart in order to improve his complication rates. So I think it's important to to know and understand that um, even those preceptors and attendings at the highest level can, you know, get feedback and be coachable themselves, just like students.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for uh, hanging out with us, everyone, and thank you, Nick, for uh, chatting with me today and. Um, any final thoughts? It was a good time.
2: Yeah. I I think one, one thing that I might've, we might've slipped through is just, um, you know, fourth year. Do you think that's any different in getting feedback than, than third year? We kind of, we, we didn't touch on that, that year too much.
1: Interesting. So I think, there is a very steep learning curve when you come into third year Mm -hmm. Um, you're you're very nervous you've been kind of in the safety bubble for the most part of your medical school's campus for two years and then you're brought into these hospitals where you don't know the system you don't know even what it's like to to be in a part around so that can be a very steep learning curve and i think at first it's important um for faculty to be aware it's important for the student to also make the you know attendings aware that hey i'm really brand new at this Mm -hmm. and you know there's going to be some things that maybe look a little silly that i'm doing but i just don't know right now and i don't think anybody's going to be fault you for that you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. um and then fourth year i think um, I think well, once you get to that that latter half of third year into fourth year, I think it's I think it's pretty consistent how it should go.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's the, the big important thing is the beginning of third year making it known that, that you're at the beginning stages and, and that you really need maybe even some more enhanced feedback, but also on the on the basic level of feedback where in fourth year you can start to get a little bit more nuanced um, be coached to become more of a not necessarily an expert but a higher level you know medical student.
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us today. Um, We hope you learned a little bit more about feedback and some student perspective. um, And take care.
2: Have a great day.
0: This is the Told Me Podcast to learn and develop for medical educators from the Netter School of Medicine Faculty Development Program at Quinnipiac University. I'm Lisa Coplett. Many thanks to the people who contributed to this show, Katie Lyons, our producer, and David DeRoche, our program director. For more information on other faculty development opportunities at Netter, email Katie L-Y-O-N-S at qu.edu. For more information on all of Quinnipiac's podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at QUPodcasts.